Let's read the word of the Lord. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz became, or came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young, men, young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. I remember not being sure what was going to happen with my life as I went through my junior year of high school. And and that feeling was greatly magnified by my senior year. It seemed like so many of my classmates had had a really good idea about where they wanted to go in life. Most knew what colleges they wanted to apply to. Many of them had a pretty good picture of what they wanted to be doing, or at least the first steps that were going to take them there. I had no clue. I went to my classes, completed most of my work, and just kind of existed. I was not strong in math. I loved writing, but wasn't thrilled about writing other people's stories. I wanted to write my own as soon as I figured out what those would be. I loved music, but I wasn't a top-tier musician. I liked to sing, but I wasn't the best singer. I loved drama and acting. But the reality is that getting a job in the arts that puts food on the table isn't very likely unless you have connections, you're rich, or you're a prodigy. And I wasn't any of those things. So what was I going to do? I envied the conviction that my friends had in the next step of their lives. I did not envy the directions that they were going. What was I going to do? Where was I going to go? What, what were the next steps for me to take? I, I had no clue. And as I entered the spring of my senior year in high school, the path was no clearer than it had been when I started my junior year. I knew I needed to do something, but like Naomi and Ruth in our text this morning, I was, I was a little lost about what to do next. Naomi and Ruth, they finally arrived in Bethlehem, right? But, but now what? Now what? They are two widows, one older, one younger, one Israelite, and one foreigner. They are poor, and and though they are home, the future looks a little bleak. There's an understanding of the general direction they need to go. They know they need food and security, but, but how do they get there? In a sense, they are lost, but they are experiencing their lostness in different ways. Ruth is experiencing her lostness in disorientation. In our text this morning, we read that she has a pretty good handle on what she needs to do. She's, she's going to go out and she's going to follow behind the workers in the field as they harvest. 
And when they harvest, there are these kernels of grain, that, the kernels of barley that, that are left behind. And, and as is the custom, for it is built into the laws of the Israelite culture, the widows, those who don't have anyone to provide for them, they, they follow along after the, uh, the reapers and they collect these kernels that are left behind. And this is, this is how they eat. This is how they provide for themselves. They take whatever they collect, they bring it home, and they make food and out of it. They make food out of it so that they don't starve, so that they can eat. So Ruth has the general idea of what to do, but she has no practical way to know the best way to go about it. Bethlehem's surrounded by fields. It's not like there's just one, right? There's, there's a bunch of these, these different fields. There, there are fields all over the place. How does she know which field to go to? And, and then there's some risk involved here. Not all of the men who own the fields are moral, upright men. Not all of the men who work in the fields are moral, upright men. There's the risk of assault and, and abuse should she choose the wrong field. So where is she to go? Ruth is lost. And yet despite her lostness, she doesn't let the fear and the danger of the unknown stop her from taking steps. And so she goes out to collect the leftovers in a field. In our text this morning, in verse 3, we read that she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. She went out and she started taking steps that needed to be taken. She happened to end up in the field that belonged to Boaz, a man who was a clan of the clan of her father-in-law. She happened into this field. Naomi, dealing with her own lostness that, that we'll look at in a couple minutes here, she didn't direct Ruth to this field. She didn't send her to this field. Naomi gave Ruth nothing but her blessing to walk out the door, and Ruth just happened upon the field of Boaz. She happened upon a path, upon a field, that would drastically change her life and the life of Naomi. She happened upon a field of provision. Get out of here with happened. There is no happened about this. It was not karma that brought Ruth to this particular field. It wasn't chance. It wasn't a happy accident. She happened into this field because this is where God led her. She took steps because she knew that she needed to take steps. She had to put food on the table. She knew she needed to be a responsible adult. She got her butt out the door and she took some steps. And though she was lost, though she had no idea where her steps were going to take her, she, she took them anyway and she ended up in the exact field she was supposed to be in. She didn't happen into God's provision. He led her there. He led her there. The spring of my final year of high school, I decided late in the process to take a gap year, to not go to college, and instead signed up to go on an extended servant team, which was a year-long commitment where I would help a church in their ministries, and it was organized through our Lutheran Brethren Youth Ministries Department. I ended up being assigned to a church down in Chandler, Arizona. It was not the most pleasant of experiences. In fact, I, I got kicked off that team, kicked off a mission team. And it would be tempting to look at that and say, well, that was a failure. And to some, you know, it, it probably was. They probably still see it that way. But to me, to me, 
It was through that process, through happening upon a ministry that burned me out and beat me up, that God planted a seed. As I was leaving Arizona earlier than I was supposed to be leaving Arizona in a car stuffed full of all my earthly possessions, I knew that God was calling me to a life of ministry. I didn't know when, I I didn't know how, and I didn't know what. But I knew that it would be ministry. And man, I still had a long path ahead of me with plenty of bumps. And Lord willing, I still have a long path ahead of me. And it will undoubtedly have its fair share of bumps. But this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God has called me through a series of events that just sort of happened and through taking a few steps and stubbing some toes. I can look back from where I am and see so clearly God's hand of provision in the path of my life and where he has called me. Are you feeling lost in the direction of your life? Maybe it's your career, maybe it's your schooling, maybe it's your employment. Maybe it's your retirement, maybe it's your relationships, maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the uncertainty of what life looks like now or will look like going forward. Maybe it's your place in God's mission. God is not lost in his plan for you. God is not lost in his plan for you. Rest in his plan. It won't always bring you to fields that are free of abuse. You will hit bumps along the road, but God has not forgotten you. He's just not giving you the map. He wants you to step out and trust. Trust in his direction, his calling, his provision. And so while Ruth's lostness is resolved through God's provision of bringing her to the field of Boaz, Naomi is still hanging out in a lostness of her own. Naomi is wallowing in a cloud of, of self-pity and frustration at God, as we, talk about, as we talked about last week. Her relationship with God has changed. No longer does she see him as a God of love and mercy, but as a God who has judged her and rendered his judgment. Her husband and sons are gone, her pain exposed for the world to see. Life has not been kind to her, and so she reasons that God has not been kind to her. No longer did she feel like she was loved by God. No longer did she feel part of the promise. And from the overflow of these frustrations and emotions, Naomi was was overcome and lost. And in her lostness, she did nothing. She should have known better. She should have known better. Naomi was the Israelite. She should have known better. It was Ruth who approached her about going into the fields when it really should have been the other way around. Naomi knew that Boaz lived here. She knew which field was his. She should have sent Ruth to that field, given her directions. She knew the customs. She knew the laws that were in place to provide for her family, for her people in this situation. But she didn't, she didn't care. She didn't think about that. She was, she was hurt. She was frustrated. She was choking on a cloud of, of self-pity, and she was angry. Her sin was blinding her from God's provision, and in her sin, she was lost. Where Ruth was lost in her direction, Naomi was lost in her spirit, consumed, blinded, lost in her sin. And we struggle with that a little bit, don't we? How could Naomi, one of the chosen people, a follower of Yahweh, a believer, be, 
be lost? Can a Christian, can a Christian be lost? As I wrestled with this question, was researching this question, I was reminded of, of two parables, the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. In the parable of the lost sheep, the, the shepherd leaves his 99 sheep to go out and look for the one who is lost. And in the parable of, of the lost coin, a woman has 10 silver coins and, and she loses one. And she turns the house upside down. And when she finds the lost coin, she invites her friends and her neighbors over to rejoice, to party with her, to celebrate the finding of the coin that was lost. And typically when I hear these parables, when, when I hear sermons on these parables or people talking about them, it is in the context of evangelism. Of God pursuing the lost and, and bringing them into the fold. And while there is definitely something to be said about God pursuing the lost, because he absolutely does, there's also something to be said about the sheep and the coin. The sheep, though it was lost, had originally been part of the flock and still belonged to the shepherd. And the coin, though it was lost, had originally been part of the ten silver coins in the woman's purse and still belonged to her. The sheep and the coin are not new acquisitions. This isn't some wild sheep and this isn't a coin found by the side of the road. The summer after my first year in seminary, I was guest preaching at a friend's church in Seattle, Washington. And I was, I was a little nervous, for quite a few reasons, really. People in this church, they knew my parents and, and my grandparents, and, and I didn't want to bring shame to my family name by being bad. And this pastor, Brandon, is, is a good friend of mine, and I didn't want Brandon to think I was bad at preaching. But on top of all of that, I was going to be quoting a pastor that I knew to be a bit controversial. Some people didn't like how much of an emphasis this particular preacher put on grace. Some argued that he had no respect for the law. Now, I disagree with both of those judgments, but I knew bringing up his name could be controversial, and so I was hesitant to do it. But the quote just fit so well, so I did it anyway. And the sermon, or after the sermon, I, I had a good talk with Brandon about this pastor I quoted, how he was influencing us, how great his message was, how skilled he was at proclaiming the gospel and how encouraging it was to see his message so well received. The guy's ministry was booming. That afternoon, I was with some other friends and I got a text from Brandon. It was about the pastor that I had just quoted. We had just been raving about. That very afternoon, he had confessed to having an affair and was stepping down from his ministry. Life after the confession has not been peaceful. He lost friendships, family, his job, credibility, financial stability, hope, joy, opportunity. I mean, it was all gone overnight. And he says he felt lost. Lost in his identity, lost in who he was in Christ, lost in his sin and in its consequences. Some of you may be familiar with him. Some are probably not, but his name is Tullian Trevigian, and he's the grandson of Billy Graham. Is it possible for one of God's flock, for one of his sheep, to become lost, like Naomi became lost, like Tullian became lost? In his blog, Sinner and Sate, Tullian writes this, to deny that we all experience lostness is to blind our eyes to the truth about ourselves and others. We often, for example, get lost in our pursuit of meaning or love or purpose or importance. 
We get lost in our dependence on people and the things to save us from aloneness, insecurity, and a sense of inadequacy. We get lost when hopes and dreams crash and burn, when one of our children goes off the deep end, when our parents get divorced, when a marriage fails, when she breaks up with you, when you didn't get the job you want or get into the school you want. We get lost in anger, hurt, bitterness, pleasure-seeking, self-righteousness, unforgiveness. Pride, lust, selfishness, the thirst for credit, the need to be right, and so on. How are you doing with this? How are you doing in your relationship with the Lord? Is the pain of your life situation causing him to feel distant and uncaring? Has the sin in your life pulled you so far down the rabbit hole that you struggle to see how God could love you anymore? Struggle to hear his voice. Struggle to believe in his forgiveness. Whether because of frustration with God, the tug of sin on your own meandering heart, have you wandered from your relationship with the Lord to the point where you aren't really sure it even exists anymore? Do you feel lost? When we feel lost, when God feels distant, when our sin seems to be an impassable barrier, or we are offended by what God has allowed to happen in our lives, but we're not really sure why. That we know that we're Christians, but maybe we just don't really feel like that anymore. When we thought we had a relationship with Him, but then then we blew it, or we think He blew it. When we feel lost, Let us be encouraged by the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the story of Naomi. The intent behind the parables is God showing us, blatantly telling us that he will pursue us. He will search for us. That when we are lost, he does not rest. He does not count his losses. He searches and pursues each and every one who wanders, each and every one who is lost. And this search party is not something that we earn by good behavior. God does not seek us out more or less fervently based off the severity of our crime or the depth of our sin or our proximity to his will and desire for us. I love the way that Robert Kappen puts it when discussing these parables. He writes, The entire cause of the recovery operation in both stories is the shepherd's or the woman's determination to find the lost. Neither the lost sheep nor the lost coin does a blessed thing except hang around in its lostness. On the strength of these parables, therefore, it is precisely our sins and not our goodnesses that most commend us to the grace of God. These parables of lostness are emphatically not stories designed to convince us that if we will wind ourselves up to some acceptable level of moral and or spiritual improvement, God will then forgive us. Rather, rather they are parables about God's determination to move before we do. In short, to make lostness the only ticket we need to the supper of the Lamb. Lostness is the only ticket we need to the grace of God. We do not earn it. We do not deserve it. Jesus did not take that cross up that hill to Calvary because we are good enough to warrant it. Our sins are not forgiven because we earned merit badges or we tried harder today than we did yesterday. We are not saved because we did anything good. 
God does not have grace on us because we did something. His grace on, he has grace on us because we are something. We are loved by him. We are children of God made in his image. And we are righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. You are forgiven, though you were and maybe still currently feel lost. Rest in that. Rest in that truth, in that blessing, that blessed outpouring of the gospel of grace of God dumped over you. Rest in that now and rest in that as you continue to walk down this path of life. For we do not know what tomorrow brings. I was really hit by something I read that Tullian wrote this past week. He wrote this. Two of the things I have learned very acutely over the last five years are one, if you are capable, or sorry, are one, you are capable of failing and getting lost in a way that is unthinkable to you right now. And two, God's love and forgiveness are big enough to cover the fact that your greatest failure may be ahead of you. Church, friends, let that sink in. It was not Tullian's intent to torpedo his career. It was not his hope and desire to destroy his family, smear his good name, and taint his future ministry. He fell. He got lost in a way that he didn't think was even possible before it happened. And should this happen to you? Should you stumble in such a way, in a way that does not even seem possible to you right now? Remember the parable of the coin and the sheep. Remember the story of Naomi. Remember that God seeks and that it is not our good works that causes God to search for us, but simply the fact that we are lost. And remember that even though she was mad at him, though she viewed him differently, that she was lost in her emotions and her lack of trust in God, that she was sitting in her house, unwilling to do what she knew she was supposed to do, unwilling and unable to believe that the promises of God were still true for her, that despite all of that, God still took care of Naomi. He still provided for her. He was Ruth's guide to the field of Boaz, and through Ruth, Ruth, and through Boaz, God met the needs of Naomi. Through Ruth and through Boaz, God provided for Naomi. She didn't get her husband back. She didn't get her sons back. But their absence from the table did not reflect God's lack of ability or desire to provide for her what she needed. God has provided for you in your lostness. Whether you are disoriented or you are lost in your spirit, God has provided for you. He has provided for each of us through Jesus Christ. Rest in that as we face the days ahead. Rest in that as we continue down this path called life. Rest in that as we are sent into his fields. For there is another type of lost. There are those who don't have a relationship with God at all. And as he wants to use you as a Ruth, that, and, and, sorry, and, and he wants to use you as a Ruth. That through you, through your proclamation of his word, that others might come into the fold. That others might sit at the table and be fed. That others might be found. And when they are found, all heaven parties. What a wonderful, fantastic, amazing, and gracious God we serve.
Amen.